The Joe Mays and J-Rap Show is brought to you in part by Mays Sandwich Shop, serving delicious hometown favorites to the West Lawn community since 1947. and J-Rap Show presents Tangents with Friends. Your source for pop culture. Geek News. Movies and television. Anything else? But no sports. And now here are your hosts, Joe Mays and friends. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to Tangents with Friends. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, here, and we are about ready to talk about some Star Wars. We did Ghostbusters about four months ago about Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was phenomenal, and uh, Brian, Brent, and I uh, continue to enjoy that film. But uh, it's time to move on and talk a little Star Wars. A lot has been happening. Uh, We had the Book of Boba Fett. The entire series, or at least the first season, I don't know, we'll see, uh, has come and gone. It was seven episodes to uh, talk about. And then one of the bigger things more recently was the teaser trailer for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which is set to de- debut on the OG Star Wars Day, the release date of Star Wars A New Hope of May 25th. So obviously I'm not going to be sitting here talking to you by myself. I've got, well, I mean, it's supposed to be both of the Berenshausen brothers, but uh, Brian's MIA at the moment. Uh, we heard him in the intro, as we always do, but Brent is here with me at, the, at this time. So, Brent, thanks for joining me and hopefully Brian as well to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, we can get things kick, you know, kicked off here a little bit, started, but uh, hopefully he can jump on at some point soon. Yeah, I don't know if we have a communication tie-up, or uh, hopefully everything's okay with your brother. I just rechecked our our, our conversation, uh, our phone conversation, and it's pretty clear he even <laughs> restated Saturday morning. So, yeah, because didn't he say is the I'll hop on with Joey and we'll do a mic check before Brent can can yeah, join <laughs> Saturday at eleven. Yeah, well, well, here we are. It's okay. I can always text Kate too to see if yeah jump on. But anyway, so ready to roll. Um, 
speaking of, uh, you know, our spouses, uh, um, my wife, Caitlin, uh, is very excited about this announcement of Christopher Lloyd being involved in season three, because believe it or not, Christopher Lloyd is her favorite actor of all time, which is kind of odd. That's a very random thing. But her two favorite movies growing up were Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And those two uh, were here he goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, he's getting me messaging us. Uh, yeah, he's so coming. Those two, those two franchises were her, her favorite growing up. So she's always said, even before that announcement last night, oh, Christopher Lloyd is her favorite actor. And now she was pretty excited that he's going to be joining the, uh, the Mandiverse uh, starting in season three, whenever that may eventually happen yeah yeah well, let's start this star wars conversation with a little bit of mando like you said the news broke last night that supposedly i mean this is coming from the hollywood reporter too so it's a pretty reputable source yeah christopher lloyd back to the future fame by and large i feel like that's what most people know him from but he's been in a ton of other things as well who framed roger rabbit and um was a summer camp movie that i always liked growing up as a, as a kid as like a teen oh yeah uh, what was that called camp nowhere so that was enjoyed that one, but obviously he's done a, a lot of work in film and television. So that's a cool. I didn't realize that Katie that was one of her her favorite actor. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, really, and she'd always say that Caitlin would always say that Christopher Lloyd was like, "Oh, I love him. He's the he's like one of my favorite actors." Which is so crazy that this is happening. And I I sent her I forwarded her that text that you sent me that announcement you sent me last night, and she was like freaking out. That's awesome. Um, super excited because she watched she hasn't watched any of Boba Fett. Uh, she watched the trailer for Obi-Wan um, she, and she watched both seasons of Mando and she loved it. She loved Mando. So uh, she just hasn't gotten around to watching Boba Fett. And of course I was like watching it, making breakfast every Wednesday morning. So <laughs> um, she was looking over my shoulder once in a while, but that was about it. So anyway, yeah, it's, that's, that's cool news. I think he would be, I think he would play a cool role Um Kind of a cool choice to add him, kind of like a Pelimoto character or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what role he ends up uh, filling. It it, it yeah. could be interesting. I don't know. He might be. He might make a good villain. Honestly, I think he could be in, in like a scientist role or something. He could be part of that that group with uh, uh, what's uh, what's the scientist name that they caught at the end of the second season? I can't. Pershing, right? Doctor Pershing. Dr. Like Percy, maybe yeah. he could be in, in that kind of role too. I mean, I don't want to pigeonhole him there as, as a scientist because that was obviously his back to the future role, but uh, he, right. he played that role so well that it would be interesting to see him uh, do it in Star Wars too. Yeah. That was the big thing coming out of Star Wars at the moment was Christopher Lloyd and Mandalorian season three. We don't know when Mandalorian season three is coming. We think that it will probably be holiday 2022, you know, between a start between Thanksgiving and New Year's of, of this year. Like Bo Book of Boba Fett that we're going to talk about momentarily started just a few days after Christmas, I believe. Wasn't it like December 28th or something like that? For what? Book of Boba Fett started like the 28th of December or something yeah. right around there. 28th or 29th. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I think we're going to – well, we know we're getting Kenobi, which we're also going to talk about uh, a little bit later. Supposedly, though, Bad Batch Season 2 has been taken off the release calendar for this year. 
it had said spring 2022, but obviously we're about a day away from spring officially arriving, and there has been no mention of the show starting. And Disney Plus has Moon Knight from the Marvel Universe coming out uh, in just a few days here. Uh, I think the 30th or 31st of March is when Moon Knight is going to debut. That's with um, our buddy Poe Dameron. Oscar Isaac is the in the lead That's role right. uh, in that Marvel uh, series, which I know nothing about, which is always great. Yeah, I, but I don't know what I don't know really much much about the backstory of Moon Knight either. But the the, the trailers look absolutely amazing. It looks so good. And it's a six part miniseries, so my guess is they're that's the same as as Obi-Wan's going to be. So I'm interested to see how they pace the six the six episodes. Yeah, it, yeah, it will be interesting to see how that goes because the pacing of Book of Boba Fett is one of the uh, things that people brought up a lot. Uh, and b- before we dive into that discussion, uh, let's see. Brian, are you here with us? Did you make it? I did. Can and there he me? is. All right. Finally got off the toilet. <laughs> Finally got off the toilet. Uh, deepest apologies, uh, my friends. Uh, I have no excuse other than I was working on something very complicated and I was in a zone and time had no meaning. <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> uh, we got started without you, but we're glad that you're here now to talk about. Uh, no, this- I, 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 I'm happy to hear. I, I, I popped in during the discussion of Christopher Lloyd, so um, that's very good news. Um, Christopher Lloyd, kind of known for playing eccentrics, right? And if the one thing the Star Wars universe can use, it's it's more eccentrics, right? So eccentricity um, is key. Yes, I, I would love, you know. Love to see whatever he's going to bring to the table. So you weren't organizing your uh, your study there, were you, Brian? I always, it's always uh, looking looking top notch. <laughs> no. no, thank you, thank you. Uh, no, I was I was not. I was organizing something. I was organizing an event, ah, and okay. I had a huge timetable in front of me, and I was like moving all these things around, and I was it was. Uh, yeah, it was painstaking work. So you're doing your like minor best minority report. Yeah, that's exactly things. what it was like. Yeah, uh, except yeah. just with a little little lower tech. Low right? tech, a yeah. Little lower tech. All right. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you here yeah. with us to talk Star it's Wars. It's great to be here. And you know, I said at the top of the show, it's been about four months since we did one of these. We talked about Ghostbusters Afterlife, which we all I know are still loving and enjoying, mm-hmm. and uh, now have it both digital and on physical media. And I follow. I don't know if you guys see the updates from uh, Jason at GhostbustersNews.com, but it is doing gangbusters in terms of streaming and rental. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife has been number one or number two um, throughout the month of January and February, and I think into the month of March. So. People yeah, that I've, people have been I've enjoying it that anecdotally. Yeah, like I've, I, I, this is just one person's anecdote, but like you know, on my streaming portal, the movies kind of shuffle up and down based on availability um, and, and popularity. And it seems to me like Ghostbusters is hanging on in the top movies for much longer than movies typically do. Um, it's 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 got prominent placement for much longer than most new movies usually get get is so, there any so. word on the gross now like the the amount of money that the movies made based off of uh ticket sales plus you know what i the- haven't pulled you talking about like on box office mojo i i haven't looked at looked at it recently uh i mean i i can't imagine that well, they obviously were 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 in the profit coming out of the theater right significantly oh yeah now they they added to that probably 
more significantly with these home the home sales. All right, right? so I just pulled it up on Box Office Mojo, and it says that domestic the movie made uh, over 129 million, international over 68 million. So the worldwide total sits at just under 200 million at 197 um, overall. Um, I think some of the release dates only happened uh, in early 2022. Uh, or very very late 2021 so I, I but i believe it's open everywhere now i don't think we're waiting on any of them i could be wrong on that but so i that I, includes dvd sales and no that that's just theater i i have no idea wow. if they have a spot that does so almost 200 million right? yep and i think uh, the the, the budget sales. was only like 60 to 80 million right I think it was 70, 70, something. something Yeah. So even if they did the same amount in marketing, you're saying, let's say they put 150 million into the film. Well, they did that in worldwide box office. They beat it by 20 million. And that doesn't include any merchandising, streaming or digital or physical purchases. So this movie did well. And that's why we're hearing that they may uh, consider doing more franchises or a continuation of course, one of the uh, another wrench was thrown into uh, the Ghostbusters universe when, sadly, director Ivan Reitman passed away in February last month, which was sudden and abrupt, and um, really hit home just because of how much we saw the interaction between him and his son Jason, the director of Afterlife, how close they were uh, as a family. So that one, that one, that one hurt. That one, that one hit home. Yeah, the first thing I thought when I when I read that was well, two things I thought. First thing I thought was I'm so glad he was able to be there to see that happen after all these years. Oh yeah, right to be a part of the the whole rollout of that, especially because it kept getting delayed. So if it would have gotten delayed anymore, he wouldn't have been around to see it. And the second thing uh, I thought about selfishly was what's going to happen to Ghostbusters now? Like, are we still? Uh, am, am I still going to get more? You know what I mean? Are we still going to get more? Uh, you, even though he's gone. And I think the answer is yes, but I think now what we're seeing is a little bit of lull in the action because of his passing, which obviously is understandable. But um. but I think what the reason we got Ghost Core is because he knew he, that he knew that he had to kind of create stewardship for the franchise, right? Like, um, and whatever, go, whatever Ghost Core is as a legal entity, I'm not sure. And I don't know specifically what, role he played in that legal entity. But my guess is that all of that was bricklaying um, to make sure that, and this passing of the torch, symbolic passing of the torch to his son, it was the last piece of that puzzle, not the first, right? So my guess is that he's been working on this for a while. Yeah, I I agree. I think, uh, I think, the universe, the IP is in good hands with Sony and Ghost Core and the input that you can get now from, from Jason, who's been there, done that. And obviously Dan Aykroyd's going to be around. There, there's a lot of uh, great young filmmakers and creatives out there that hopefully they can see what worked with Ghostbuster Afterlife, which was a lot, uh, judging by the fan reaction and then the you know the general audience reaction around the globe, as we just alluded to all the money and streaming success they they're having, so we'll see what happens. You know, it's unfortunate to lose Ivan, but like Brent said, I'm really glad that he got to see Jason's vision come to a head and to sort of have like a bookend to that original series that 
Ivan helped create, you know, um, a long time ago now, over uh, over 35 years ago. Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's sad, but it, it ended uh, in a way that I think people uh, should be happy that Ivan got to got to see it, got to be around for it after all the talk over the years. So um, condolences to the Reitman family. Um, yeah. So, well, should we move on to a little bit more uh, uh, happy topic in terms of Star Wars and the uh, book of Boba yeah, Fett and Kenobi? Yeah, about getting swallowed up by a Sarlacc and being digested <laughs> for a right. thousand years. A thousand years. <laughs> so... All right, so we all saw the Book of Boba Fett seven-episode series. There has been not any confirmation of a continuation yet. As of right now, it's just a one-off. Though I feel like the way it ended, we could see a, a, a second season announcement coming at some point. Again, because of the way the Disney Plus series are set up, it might probably wouldn't be for a few years. Um, we, Brent and I talked a little bit about Mandalorian Season 3, Brian. Um with the Christopher Lloyd casting and, and the timeline for yeah, that, we're yeah. thinking holidays this year between uh, a, probably a release between Thanksgiving and, and New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, um, very end of this year, sort of like we got with Book of Boba Fett. Um, but Book of Boba Fett was essentially, and we heard this in the lead up to it, especially I think it was like last spring, maybe right around this time, that Book of Boba Fett almost was like Mandalorian season two and a half. And when we first started watching the show, guys, those first four episodes were, you know, were Boba Fett. There, there was nothing else really related to Mandalorian other than Fennec Shand, who we knew was going to be in this show, which is great. She had her introduction in Mandalorian season one, and we got to see her um, in season two. But now she and Boba Fett are, are linked and then the middle of Boba Fett happened, and we realized why people thought that this was kind of more like a a, a mid-season uh, or an interstitial between seasons two and three of Mandalorian, because it all of a sudden became kind of a, a team-up thing, uh, which was a lot of fun. We had an entire episode, or nearly two episodes, where Boba Fett wasn't even in the show. Uh, and then we had the uh, the final battle to end in episode seven, but so much happened throughout those seven episodes. Um, Brent, why don't I uh, throw it to you first and just give your initial impressions of the series as a whole uh, and what you thought it did well. Yeah, I, I've recently kind of considered this uh, Mandalorian Tales from Boba Fett. Yeah. Kind of like we used to see Tales from Jabba's Palace or Tales. I really feel like... You know, initially I thought this was going to be a Boba Fett show, and obviously it, it it was, but it is obviously more of a story based in that universe, and it's more clear to me now than ever that they're really trying to interconnect all of these things. And uh, we really and saw this as, you know, this side story which catches us up on this character, and I think they kind of had to do this in order to catch up. They introduced Boba Fett in Mandalorian Season 2, and then like, okay, he's back, and then everybody's like, wait, wait. Oh my gosh, there's all this, all these questions we have, right? And so I think really what this was supposed to do is be like, okay, here's the answers to your questions about how he got out of the Sarlacc pit, what he ended up doing, how he's been changed, living with the living with um, the Sand People, Tusken Raiders, how his character has evolved over the last thirty years, or, or I guess in this timeline, it's not thirty years, but 
Uh, and then, and then how is this working in with the continuation of the Mando Mandoverse? And I think we're going to start to see that also with um, the Ahsoka show as well. We're going to see Mandalorian tales from Ahsoka Tano, you know, and kind of how she figures in to this overall bigger picture, which I think is, is exciting. Um, I was hoping that we're going to do that more with the spinoff movies, but it seems like now we're getting it in this more serial form uh, with these TV shows, which I am all about. I think that's kind of where the bread and butter of Star Wars is uh, is originated. So I think that we're seeing this in this in this week weekly uh, format, which I think is is super cool. And you know the the show the show is cool, man. We got we got. Um, I know people have had their issues with it in terms of, you know, story and purpose, but we got to see, you know, Luke Skywalker. We got to see some huts. I'm looking at your poster right now. We got to see Cad Bane in live action form. We got to see Ahsoka in live action form. We got to see Boba Fett Mandalorian. We got to, to bring Go Grogu back into the story and see how his story is going to continue from here on out too. And the last scene that we got in the entire show was a scene between Mando and Grogu. It wasn't between Boba Fett and Fennec Shan. So the show really is all about propelling us to season three of Mandalorian. Yeah. So that's my two cents. Brent, I know you kind of said and alluded to it there in, in your, your discussion, but we're getting a lot more Star Wars. And the only thing we know we're getting Star Wars wise is through streaming, through the television shows on Disney+. Plus. And I'm here for it. I, I love it. I, I know Star Wars in the theater is where it originated. And, you know, some people say that's where it belongs. But I'll take the six to seven, eight, ten, twelve episode uh, seasons of television shows over a movie every three years by far. You're getting much more lore and story and character development in even if they're only a half an hour long, that's still more time we're spending with these characters and in this universe. And I'm incredibly uh, thankful and happy for that. I, I, I very, very much enjoyed Book of Boba Fett. Did I like it as much as Mandalorian Season 1 and Season 2? No, I don't think I did. But there was so much there to, to, to satisfy me. I, I feel like we're, most of the negativity, by and large, is coming from Boba Fett the original Boba Fett fans and maybe people who came to know and love him in the original expanded universe, they have an idea of the character and, and I don't think it was fulfilling to them the way this show went and the changes that they brought forth for Boba Fett. But as someone who for a long time was a Boba Fett hater, I very much enjoyed seeing the way that they brought him up. I mean, the best thing they did for me is having Tem back as Boba Fett. Like that connective tissue to the the uh, sequel, or excuse me, to the prequel trilogy uh, is just fantastic, and I love that so much. And honestly, I heard this discussion, and I listened to um, the Boba Fett review from the our our friends at the IPC podcast with Zach and Ben just uh, over the last couple of days, and I've listened to all the recaps with uh, Rebel Force Radio, and they all bring up the connective tissue that it has to not just the Disney Plus shows, but all of the Star Wars universe, Book of Boba Fett brought in things from everywhere. Uh, it was very heavily involved with sequel. Or I keep doing that with prequel and original trilogy, and there were a few nods to the sequel trilogy, which is great. 
I, that's why I love Star Wars because of the breadth and the growth and connecting everything is always something that I very much enjoy. And what we saw in Book of Boba Fett, this, uh, this series or this first season, depending on how, um, what is announced, I very much enjoyed. Again, I didn't like it as much as Mando, but I, I would lie. I would watch a season two. I think people are crazy if they wouldn't want to watch this. And you said, let's looking at this poster. Look at what we got in this show. Look! Look at all the people that are on there. You know, yeah. we knew. I, I think. I think what what I, th- I like what you're saying, Joy, because I th- I don't think I think what they're trying to do now, like Dave Filoni, is instead of making these sections of sequel trilogy and classic trilogy and prequel trilogy, they're just trying to make Star Wars one umbrella, right? Right. By putting you know pit droids in it and putting uh, a a Nubian starfighter in it, but also putting the Slave One in it and putting you know, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker as a Jedi in it. Like they're kind of, they're kind of adding all elements of like what makes Star Wars Star Wars and has from the past forty five years. Then they which make is what's cool. I think about these. They make mention of Fathers, which we got from the Last Jedi. There were there were a few sequel trilogy nods in there, so they're using what was already established in the timeline and also making little, you know, putting in little Easter eggs of what is yet to come when you're, when you're in the star Wars universe timeline. And I think we're going to see more of that. I think there's going to be much more connection to the sequel trilogy. I think we're going to revisit that more, I I guess probably in Mandalorian season three, I'm hoping with the cloning and if they're going to make some connections with, with Snoke or at least the attempts to make the cloned emperor. I like, I just, I think that would be really fun to, to tie it all together. I mean, this is, a series it's one one universe there should be connections you should be hearing about the same characters and planets yes give me new stuff too absolutely but all that old stuff should always be there uh in the background and occasionally when necessary in the forefront so brian what about you what did you think of the uh seven episode series of book of boba fett uh so i I, i'll pick up right where you left off with the with the, the the theme of connections and I would say that, yes, I'm enjoying the connections, but I will say that connections are only effective when they connect discrete pieces of architecture. That's the other dimension for me that's really important in Star Wars is when you have really discrete and um, bounded story units, I guess I would say. One of the things that's so appealing about Star Wars is it's, uh, uh, you know, the way that its stories shake out into repeatable units, right? We have a trilogy, we have a trilogy of trilogies. We have, you know, and these things are kind of, uh, they're, they're, they're building blocks for the story. And I think, you know, Joey, I, when I, when I hopped on earlier, I heard you all talking about pacing. And I think that is what, that was my only criticism of the book of Boba Fett was the pacing. I felt it was a little different and that's why uh, my wife, didn't really like the series either because she said it didn't quote feel like star Wars. And I think that is a comment about the pacing. Um, And I think if I were going to draw out the architecture for how they're doing these shows, it's a different architecture from like the movie architecture. You get a movie, which becomes part of a trilogy, which becomes part of a trilogy of trilogies. This is, you have this prime. I think of it sort of like a tree. You have this trunk, which is the show called the Mandalorian. And that sets up like the world that, and the time period. And that's the trunk of the tree. And then each of the branches are different books right? The book of Boba Fett, the book of Fennec Shen, the book of Ahsoka Tano, the book of, and each of those is like a different offshoot of that main story that 
a, maybe a different director gets to put a stamp on and that focuses on a different character, but they all come back to that tree in the spirit of connect, connection making, right? And of course they connect to the other movies as well, but they have to be discreet. They have to be, they, they have to tell their own stories and then show their connections. And the, the frustration I had with this series of this season of Boba Fett or the book of Boba Fett rather was that it too often wasn't telling its own story. Uh, and that I think these books can be shorter, tighter, more focused and more focused on a single character and on a single plot line. Uh, if we, you know, I think Kenobi is shaping up to be the ideal model for this, right? I think it's a tight, what, five episodes, right? Five episode series that six. Okay. Well, and I think between, between four and six episodes is good. I thought Boba Fett ran a little long and we, if we took the, the two non Boba Fett episodes out of this, out of the book, and save that for the next piece of the trunk in Mandalorian season three and gave more of the Boba Fett book over to the story of Boba Fett. I think you, you kind of begin to like make the stories a little bit more discreet. And again, connections are great, but like they need to be connections. Sorry. They need to be connections between discrete units, not this sort of interleaving, interweaving, cross cutting all the time. Um, you know, that's what makes the original trilogy structure so compelling. And I think that is what is going to make this more compelling once they get their architecture in place. So I'm here for whatever. I'll watch whatever. Of course, you know, I'm not going to say no, but I think the Mandalorian is the trunk. Each of these books needs to be its own kind of discrete story. And then we see the connections between all of them. That's where the artistry of the storytelling happens. Um, and I think we can make those books a little bit more tight, a little bit more focused, and then show maybe at the beginning and at the end how they link up and link back. That, that I, my two cents. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people can agree that 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 the inclusion of the Mandalorian in this was much more jarring than uh, it could have been. Right in terms of it's like all of a sudden the Boba Fett show stopped suddenly. We had a a, a, a Mando show. And then that's and then that finally connected a little bit to Boba Fett at the last episode. So it was not as uh, smooth of that right. connecting, connecting. The connections were great, but save those connections for Mando three, right? That's that's the perfect way to pick up Mandalorian three. Start with him coming to the planet to yeah, drop off armor that. for Grogu, right? I, I like, think, and I think Disney execs would the only thing they would disagree with was would be to Disney would execs would say, well, we can't go two years without baby Yoda. Exactly. <laughs> baby Yoda was so popular. Yes, yeah. How do mm-hmm. we, the notes they brought back to to, to Dave Filoni <laughs> and John Favreau were probably like, this is great. Give us more baby Yoda. Yeah, we but- made a lot of hats and t-shirts. We need to sell them hats and t-shirts. We need to keep that stuff fresh in the minds of these people. And my, my daughter alone, <laughs> Caitlin made a, a shirts that said, may the luck be with you the other day. We had matched. She made those. She made them. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, as of course, as soon as we gave him, gave the shirts to Addie, she went over and got her Grogu figure and everything like that. So she's, you know, it's that's that's the only thing I agree with you, Ryan. But they're never gonna as long as they're trying to churn out millions of dollars, they're never gonna. Yeah, we're gonna probably can. They're gonna try to shoot that in as much as possible. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm throwing sure. it out there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm. I mean, I'm with you guys, and I completely understand your your point there, Brian. It just it wasn't as jarring to me, I guess. Like, it was one of those things that I was just like, okay, this is what they're doing. Like, I, I would have liked a more cohesive Boba Fett storyline, but I also didn't care that all of a sudden we're back in in the purest Mando verse and seeing just him for an entire episode, and we get the armorer back, mm-hmm. and we get um the 
big uh, what's the uh, the heavy artillery Mandalorian is there, and uh, there's all kinds of lore being established, and essentially a setup for Mandalorian season three. Because uh, I think we're going to see a lot of Mandalore uh, when, when that comes out. And, I, and my biggest critique or criticism of the Book of Boba Fett, I think, is I would have liked them to have introduced Cad Bane earlier. Uh, Cad Bane is such a cool character. And I know, Brian, you're not as familiar with him as maybe Brennan and I are uh, from watching all of the animated series to date. But I think the first few episodes, there was just kind of a slight allusion to the big bad in the book of Boba Fett. And we know it was the Pikes, but it was that the train episode, which was fun, but we were all kind of like, well, okay. So the, are the Pikes the bad guy or there's, there's someone working? like, we all thought it might be, it could be Darth Maul. It could be Kira. Like we didn't really know what was going on. And in the end, it was just sort of was the Pike syndicate. And they decided to drop Cad Bane in there in the last, two episodes i feel like that should have been earlier in the season cad bane should have arrived to say that tatooine or this area of tatooine belongs to the pike you know around that train episode and we could have seen him being more of the like terrorist on tatooine that we saw near the end where he was attacking Cobb vanth and freetown i just i feel like the they didn't need to hide the villain of the series until the very end. I feel like we could have seen more of that and, uh, or we could have had, a... it was a phantom menace is what you're saying. <laughs> right? Very good, Brent. Very good. Um, or, or maybe we could have seen, uh, the part of the Mandalorian story earlier. Like they could have had him in Boba Fett at the beginning. And then he comes back near the, I feel like it would have been much more. It would have flowed a little bit more. That's what I think. Like we we talk call it pacing, but it wasn't even. It was just. It felt a little disjointed at times. Like they had a bunch of ideas and they just kind of threw it together. Um, and it doesn't necessarily work as a standalone series, as a as a a little bit of the larger Disney Plus Star Wars streaming. And all, for everyone watching it, it it's it it needed to be told. It's it's there, and now they have much more time to tell even a grander story in Mandalorian season three. But like Brent said, like I think we're gonna get the same type of thing in Ahsoka. I think Ahsoka is gonna be similar to Book of Boba Fett. I think you're going to have all these characters we've been introduced to show up. We'll mostly be focused on Ahsoka, and I think we're getting Sabine Wren from Rebels in there, and I think we're eventually gonna get Grand Admiral Thrawn. But I fully expect to see. Mandalorian, Grogu, Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, Cobb Vanth, and whatever he's being turned into. Luke Skywalker, Skywalker, right? He's hanging out there. When at the end of their little, um, you know, discussion together, when when he said, when Luke said, am I ever going to see you again? And, you know, I forget what her response was. It was a little bit like open-ended, but I think it was setting up the fact that they're going to see each other again in her show, in that, that timeline you know, the search for Grand Admiral Thrawn and so forth. So that's just, uh, I'm speculating that, of course. But Sure. Um, how about, we'll wrap up Book of Boba Fett so we can get to Kenobi. But what what was your guys' favorite episode of the show? We got seven episodes to choose from. Which one of which one of them jumps out to you as being your favorite, one that you would revisit and rewatch over and over again? Well, for me, it was easy as, as the one I, I rewatched multiple times, which was the, 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 the Luke Skywalker episode. 
Um, that was I'm just a sucker. five, right? I'm just, was that five? Yeah, I'm a sucker for it because I just think it's so amazing what they've been able to do with the technology. And even, even with that, like I just, it just, it's just amazing to me that they can bring basically that character of Luke Skywalker back and, and not, to me, it doesn't feel too like shoehorned in or anything. Like it feels very natural. And the, the, the steps that they've made with the, with the deep fake from Mando season two to, to obviously now has been significant improvements with that. Um, to, and it just gets me excited for what they can do with, with, with him in this period of, in, of the timeline. Um, I know that doesn't have much to do with Boba Fett and Luke doesn't even interact with Boba Fett, but I just, I just loved that episode so much. Okay. That was, that was chapter. Was that five? Yeah, that was chapter five. So, um, yeah. Okay. That was me. For me, I'd say the, uh, Naboo Royal speeder episode where he gets his new ship. Um, that, it has Amy Sedaris, who's probably my favorite character, plays my favorite character in the series. And so it was great to see her. Um, again, this is the, this is, you know, Mando. So, um, but uh, I thought that was great. Yeah. So uh, uh, Brent, yours is actually six um, from the desert comes a stranger. Uh, the episode okay. with Cad Bane. Brian, you're talking about episode five, Return of the Mandalorian with Pelimoto and the Starfighter scene. So, uh, yeah. yeah, both of those. Is that a Bryce Dallas Howard episode? That is. Chapter five, Return of the Mandalorian was Bryce Dallas Howard. And chapter She's six. just killing it. Uh, From just the Desert Comes a Stranger was Dave Filoni. Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard needs to be doing more with, with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Her stuff from Mandalorian now through Boba Fett have been some of the best of the, uh, these three series that we've had to date. So I hope she's back in Mando season three and I I wouldn't mind seeing her. I I don't, I don't know if the Ahsoka series has the same director for all of them or not, but it would be great to have her on there. And Hey, when they decide to do whatever next show they're doing, have her be the lead and have her do most of those. She's, she's killing it. Uh, She's knocked it out of the park with what she's been able to do as a director in star Wars. I just absolutely love all of the connections to not just star Wars, but all of the nods to her previous projects or specifically her father's previous projects. Cause there's a lot of great stuff um, we've seen in her episodes relating to Jurassic park and Apollo 13 and just little bits of dialogue or little scenes that, um, you can just be like, well, I know where the inspiration for that came from. And, and I, and I love that. So yeah, I mean, you guys, yeah, those are the, my two favorites too. I probably, um, go with Brent and say chapter six and as that is the Luke Skywalker episode. But the reason that that was my favorite was the, the Cad Bane reveal at the end I thought was absolutely incredible, uh, with the, uh, the Western and him walking in the desert. Um, and maybe it's not as big of a payoff for people that didn't know who he was, but when I realized that's who it was, I just, you know, I, we sent that, that meme into the group chat of, uh, someone standing like praising, looking up to the stars in the sky. And it was a picture of Dave Filoni because, um, I do, I, everything that Dave Filoni does, I think is, uh, is just, it makes star Wars very much, very enjoyable. So the return of Cad Bane was the highlight. Um, and I think right there, the three of us picking our favorite episodes just shows why um, Boba Fett wasn't a knockout success because we didn't pick any episodes that have Boba Fett 
doing anything substantial. I mean, he's not in episode five at all. And he's at the very end with no words at the end of chapter six. So um, in terms of Boba Fett specific, I feel like my favorite Boba Fett episode um, probably was episode four where they get uh, the starship back. I, I won't call it its its rightful name. I'll call it the new name, the Fire Spray uh, Gunship. Uh, when I, I like that episode because they go back to the Sarlacc pit again, and we get the uh, the the uh, charge uh, dropped in there. We see actually the end of the Sarlacc. So my Boba Fett focused episode probably was Chapter Four, the Gathering Storm. Mine was the. Uh, history with the sand people um, that kind of understand Boba Fett's background. And uh, that story kind of picks up right after the Sarlacc digestion. Um, so uh, that, that, you know, people have been waiting for that story for 30 years, you know? So I, that was just finally cool to see. And I thought they did it super well. And I, I love the integration of the sand people. I thought that was awesome. Uh, and, you know, you really start to sympathize with sand people, which, you know, yeah. Who would have thought this never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, that was probably my favorite Boba Fett focused episode. Brent, what about you? What was your favorite Boba Boba focused episode? Yeah. It, it might've been this, the train heist episode because of those, uh, the same people kind of reference there that you guys are talking about how he kind of wins them over doing that. Right. He kind of, kind of, he kind of is a way for him to become part of the tribe by teaching them how to, you know, ride the speeder bikes and do all that stuff is, is pretty cool how, how to do that. And yeah, yeah that it's amazing what, what kind of light this shines on the, on the, on the sand people in this one, because I was watching it, the deleted scene, with Luke Skywalker the other day and Big's dark lighter that they have. And they're talking about, uh, you know, well, you can, you know, and Luke's like, you know, brooding over the fact that he's got to stay on for another season to help with the farm. And, you know, the sand people, he's got to, you know, you know, got to protect his family from the sand people. And, and uh, Biggs makes a comment about like, well, he, your uncle can hold off a whole legion of sand people with one blaster. You know, so it's amazing how they just see them as like these creatures that, that, you know, are a kind of a pest, you know? Yeah. And they're, they're, they're more like an, an onion. They got many la- layers like Shrek, you yeah. know, <laughs> it, it, I love that. I love that aspect of, cause we always just heard the, the one point of view of, uh, how do you, uh, how do you view the, the, the Tuscans? And it was all negative, but as Mandalorian and now, especially Book of Boba Fett has shown that's not the case. Uh, and it's we'll see what happens when you get to know people a hundred percent. So yeah, I think we all enjoyed Boba Fett, but it just didn't, didn't meet uh, the same quality standards as Mandalorian, but very enjoyable. I think we'd all watch a second season if they put it out there. Um, but that wasn't all the star Wars news. We got a big one now and it's time to jump in. So what did you guys think watching that teaser when that Duel of the Fates music popped with the Lucasfilm logo? I couldn't believe it. I thought it was awesome. Yep. That was a 
Anytime there's uh, a substantial reference to the prequels and acknowledgement of the prequels, I'm I'm on board because I like the prequels. Uh, so uh, you know that's why the Starfighter episode was probably my favorite Book of Boba Fett episode, the Naboo Starfighter episode, and then to have Duel of the Fates come back again, it's more um, uh, tissue building, as you as you put it, Joey. It's just more connective tissue um, using uh, Episode One. Um, main, well, like a primary theme from episode one, musical theme, musical motif from episode one to bridge to what is essentially like the Obi-Wan we're used to from, you know, leading up to episode four. Like that's an amazing, um, it's just an amazing connective move. So it's been a couple days now since I've uh, seen the trailer. I've watched it many times, but maybe we should give it a quick watch and then we'll dissect it for about 10 minutes uh, before we sign off here. So I'm going to pull it up here and uh, here we go. Uh, let's try this. Here we go. The fight is done. We lost. The key to hunting Jedi is patience. Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. The Jedi Code is like an itch. He cannot help it. Where is he? That was awesome. Uh, that looks incredibly fun. I can't not wait for that to come out. I mean, I was like, super excited for Book of Boba Fett uh, just because we knew that there were probably going to be some Mandalorian connections. But, whew, I mean, having Hugh McGregor back as Obi-Wan is something we've wanted for the last decade and we thought might be coming true, you know, five years ago. And then finally it was announced three years ago. And here we are. We're about two months away from seeing Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, you know, we've been talking about connections a lot. I just love that they got <laughs> Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru back from the prequels, actor and actress filling in the roles. Uh, Joel Edgerton looked great there uh, as Uncle Owen. And supposedly, if you've been listening to any of the interviews or the writings, as you can see, this big um, debut came courtesy of the final print edition of Entertainment Weekly. No more. EW is done physically. Uh, they will be online only. But the last one will be this Obi-Wan Kenobi cover. And <clears throat> they just have... They, they had this great um, unveiling of Ewan as Obi-Wan. Uh, 
Um, but in a lot of the stories that are out in these prints and making the rounds on the talk shows and through interviews is how much of a role Joel Edgerton has as Uncle Owen in this. Uh, he doesn't seem to just be a side character and just kind of a small nod to past Star Wars movies, but he's going to play a large role in this series, as will the Inquisitors, which if you've watched Star Wars Rebels, you know all about the Inquisitors, or if you played the game um, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, yeah, just again, bringing it all together and going to hopefully tell an amazing story. Uh, Brent, what was your first reaction to that trailer or that teaser? Yeah, I was really excited. I, I, I've been most out of all the Star Wars television shows or things that I thought they could do with the, the, the TV live action. I've been most looking forward to this, most anticipated for like anticipating this one the most just because it has so much opportunity for familiar, familiarity. Right. We, we Like Mandalorian was I'm enjoying it obviously a lot now, but getting into that, I was like, I don't really know who is this Mandalorian guy. Like there's all a lot of new characters. This has an opportunity to bring in new characters too, but what it does have an opportunity to do is, is flesh out characters that we haven't seen in a long time on the screen, which is, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Darth Vader, um, you know, like you said, Owen and Brew Lars, Luke Skywalker at an age where we haven't seen him as a character before. He's probably about the age that Anakin was when we met him in episode one. So yeah, we about have 10. opportunity and what's that? Yeah, he's about 10. About 10, yeah. So I think Anakin was like nine or 10 or something like that when he was taken off of Tatooine. So uh, I don't know. I just we, we get so many opportunity for really the, you know, the meat and potatoes of Star Wars to really sink our teeth into. And I, as much as I liked these other shows, this is really some of the core elements of what built Star Wars, the foundation of Star Wars. And like Brian said, also so much prequel of reference. And again, we're seeing threads being tied now between the prequels and the, and the original trilogy, which uh, is a real sweet spot that we get to explore here. So I, I'm all in. I'm 100%. And I love Ewan McGregor. I think he's a great actor. And I think that um, he's also a fan of this material and has been wanting to do this for a long time. So, you know, his heart is in it. You know, we get to see, um, uh, you know, we get to see Hayden Christensen back again, which is amazing, probably in the suit of of Darth Vader. But hopefully we get to see them, him and potentially in flashbacks. I'm assuming we're going to get to see some Ahsoka either in present time or in flashbacks. I'm hoping we get to see Yoda in some way, in some form. I'm hoping we get to see Qui-Gon Jinn as a, as a force ghost or at least hear him. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity to bring uh, all these elements together in this show. And I'm yeah. 100% on board. It's a good thing you don't have high expectations, Brent. Uh, yeah, really. Well, yeah. Uh, honestly, I mean, list. but honestly, my wish list is right there with Brent. That's exactly what I hope to see. And from the rumors that are out there, I think at least 75% of that are going to happen in some form. It may surprise us how they show it to us, but I think we are going to get a good amount of the things that just Brent rattled off. I, I think we will. I mean, we know we're seeing Hayden as Vader. I'm hopeful we see Hayden as Anakin in flashbacks. I would love to see Ahsoka in the same way. Uh, imagine having live action version of the three of them on the screen. Like we've seen it in Clone Wars. It's amazing in the animated series. But could you imagine seeing a, you know, 
a, lots of makeup or a de-aged Ewan and Hayden right there with uh, Ahsoka. <laughs> like, we've seen this. It's It's been done in art and animation, but to have it as live action would be mind-blowing. What, what about oh, what about Obi-Wan wearing the clone trooper armor? How awesome uh, would that be? I, and yeah, not uh, only that, what, what about bringing in uh, Captain Rex? You already have I the know. actor that we could do it. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be... There's so many things that we could do they, that they could do, right? That we right. could be getting. I mean, you just... You Captain just, Rex, like, from the Star Tours ride is what you're saying. <laughs> right, yeah, that's who we're talking about. Hey, okay, good. That, yeah, I mean, that, 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 be, that Captain Rex yeah. was in Book of I, Boba I'd, Fett. I'd be up for that. Sure. That Captain Rex was in Boba Fett, so... No, you're right. That was <laughs> one of my favorite uh, Easter eggs was seeing Captain, Captain, Re- Captain Rex-style yeah. droid, but I, whenever I hear Captain Rex, I'm sorry, I'm always going to think of Star Tours. You're always going to think of Pee Wee Herman, right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So just to add to Brent's wish list, I think part of the excitement that builds around this for me is that you know, Disney made pretty clear like they're bookending the Skywalker saga when the sequel trilogy was done. This is the most we've revisited the core elements of the Skywalker saga since that time, right? I think, you know, at least it feels like to me, like to have Darth Vader, to have Obi-Wan Kenobi, to have Luke Skywalker, to have the Baru family. um, Like that is to me, like the closest sort of Skywalker adjacent story that we've had so far. And that's really, that's really exciting. It's a return to a lot of the core elements that we, that we just, know as like you know peak star wars i i understand that that the stock the saga is kind of over so it'd be interesting to see how they uh tell this story and what they emphasize but i think that's what's part of it's what's so exciting for me is like there's going to be a lot of instant fan affinity for these characters and for the story because it fills in uh a narrative that we've been, you know, seeing unfold over 30 years. So. Yeah. And I also yeah. think that to add to that list real quick, I also think we're going to get the Organa family in this. In oh yeah. I think I agree. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. On mm-hmm. all the- G- give me all the Jimmy Smith's content. Yeah. You can. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I'm wondering, yeah, he's awesome. And I wonder if that might be sort of the tension that sets up the next story uh, in a post credit scene is I think, the next story is probably going to be about the, I hope it's about the, um, the twins, right? Like their, their lives and what, you know, one growing up on a sand on a moisture farm as a farm boy and one growing up as royalty and what their lives, like I'd love to see sort of how you can tell a story with that juxtaposition. They don't need to meet, they don't need to interact. They don't need to do anything, but it would be great to kind of have uh, the story of kind of their lives uh, in those two different yeah, that, contexts. It's an interesting dichotomy and the haves and the have nots or the royalty and the, uh, the desert rats and, and how they all uh, interact and how they, they merge together to form this incredible story. Mm-hmm, I, I love mm-hmm. that we're getting essentially a lot of prequel stuff mixed with clone wars and they're throwing in, you know, the original trilogy characters where it all began but now we're getting a, a key component of the Rebels animated series with the Inquisitors and the hunt for the Jedi after Order 66. And we're getting the Grand Inquisitor pulled right from that show. Um, we, we know how that ends, but now we get to see how that story begins. We get to see this, you know, for a decade before the events leading up to A, a New Hope or Rogue One and A New Hope. Now we're seeing these vicious fallen 
literal fallen Jedi that have gone to the dark side and are now f- trying to find their former brethren and hunt them down. Uh, and it's an interesting, I think, story thread that they're kind of calling out the, the Jedi compassion is what leads their, to their downfall again. That because they, the Inquisitors, are, I think, are just going places where they believe a Jedi is and they're just committing basically war crimes to get the Jedi to come out and stop them and then they can you know attack and, and kill them um it's 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 so I have a question about that because i've not seen rebels and i don't i didn't know anything about the grand in, grand inquisitor he's called yeah he's the, the one that had title? the spinning dual red lightsaber and he's the one that's uh gray okay. with the red marking so he's supposed to be a the alien species from utapau that you see in Revenge okay. of the All Sith. Right. So it was just as an aside, someday I'm going to need some kind of uh, Imperial or, or like some kind of um, rank rank sheet, like a Moff versus a Grand Moff versus an Inquisitor versus a Grand Inquisitor. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to figure all that out. But really, my question was, in the trailer, I don't understand the red lightsaber that's the double-bladed lightsaber that's spinning around. Does the Inquisitor wield that? Is yes. that somebody who's in front of him nope. in that scene? Or nope, like, that's his. And, these Inqu- and the Inquisitors, are they like a Sith kind of sect? Are so, they imperial? Is that an Imperial designation? I just don't know. Yeah, I don't it's know so, about how that's set up. It's essentially a almost kind of like a special forces made up of I what I don't want to say Sith because they're not Sith because rule of two exists so they're just dark side users that are working for the Empire I believe they are all former Jedi that instead mm. of being killed pledge their allegiance to the Emperor uh, and work mm. alongside Darth Vader. There's one in charge of it all. And the Grand Inquisitor, I don't remember what his Jedi name was or his character name before Grand Inquisitor, but he is, I believe, was a Jedi Temple guard that turned to the dark side um, during Order 66 and the fall and massacre of the Jedi. And now he is in charge of other Jedi that converted to the dark side during the, the events of the end of Revenge of the Sith. And they are responsible for hunting down the remaining Jedi in the galaxy, such as Obi-Wan Kenobi. We see that throughout Rebels as the Grand Inquisitor and many of the – they're called brothers and sisters, and they're they're numbered. Um, they hunt Kanan Jarrus and Ezra Bridger throughout uh, the first couple seasons of Rebels. That is the, uh, the main – uh, story thread there. Um, of course, we get Darth Vader in Rebels as well, and Darth Vader's always there on the fringe when it comes to the Inquisitors, and there's an entire comic book series about the Inquisitors and Darth Vader that I have not read, uh, but it gets fleshed out even more, and then they appeared in the Jedi Fallen Order video game uh, as well. So they, they have um, they have a lot of story threads since Disney took over, starting with Rebels, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see them in live action here in the Kenobi series. I think so what about the lightsaber then? It just spins. It's just like the the kooky thing that they came up with. Um, they Who's actually is it? The qu- it is He's yes, not it, a Sith, but he has a lightsaber. Well, yeah. I mean, well, Asaz Ventress isn't a Sith either, and she has lightsabers. Um, th- there's a whole uh, bunch of people true. that okay. have lightsabers. There's all bunch of dark, yeah, dark Jedi, dark. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, say dark Jedi. That's not them. right. But I think it's a way for them to get around the rule of two, right? The rule of two being master and apprentice. So you know, obviously, um, you know, there's a whole race of uh, you know religion of Jedi, but when it comes to Sith, there's usually just two because um, they're greedy for power. Um, 
so so I think this way is almost like the Knights of Ren is kind of what I would equate it to, like that we see in the sequel trilogy, even though we don't know much about them. Uh, but the Knights of Ren and, and like how it's like a, a group of dark, dark side wielders that aren't necessarily considered the Sith religion, you know, um, it's kind of a little bit gray. Okay, that helps. Yeah, I think that's a great way, great way to say it and sum it up. But uh, very much looking forward to, to the show. It looks stellar. Uh, the, the casting is top notch. The action looks great. I can't wait to see the story they're going to tell. Uh, and I th- do think a lot of the things that Brett mentioned of wanting to see, I think we're going to get a lot of them. So um, May 25th can't come soon enough. So uh, guys, I know we got to get run- get rolling. We're short on time. So just last thing to say before we bounce, um, I guess, what was your favorite part of the, the teaser? What-, what did you like to see the most? Young Luke. Him okay. watching over him watching over young him not just young Luke, but him watching over young Luke. Like I think that is gonna be a huge like the the caretaking kind of part of this. And I think I'm interested to see how they set up, you know, he was sort of responsible for Anakin as Anakin's caretaker. And he I think is gonna feel a huge sense of loss and failure in this. And so I think it will be interesting to see how they dramatize that uh, in his relationship to, to Luke. And it like, is this like going to be a redemption story? Is he going to feel, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to play it, but I, I'm interested to see that dynamic. And I'm glad they're putting Luke in it because it gives, it just dramatizes Obi-Wan's character a lot more. Um, and, it, and I really like the idea that there's, there's going to be a lot of drama around keeping the secret of Luke um that's going to be really cool um because i think you know they're the inquisitors are going to be looking for the jedi on tatooine but they're not going to have any idea that there's something even more valuable there to them and i think that's going to add so much drama around the owen uh the the um lars family or uh and um and and things like that so i think uh having luke there is going to be key even if he's not in it you know, more than what we saw in the trailer, just, you know, but having him there is going to be important. Absolutely. Yeah. Brent, what about you? I probably would say the same thing, to be honest with you. Like, I, I feel like you're going to deal a lot with the the struggles internally with, with Obi-Wan's feel, fear of failure and having to deal with the failure of, of training Anakin. And, and he sees a lot of Anakin in Luke, like Brian was saying, like he's even looks like he's piloting. Luke does looks like he's piloting a a, a pod racer in that. And I think, um, you know what the what Yoda says in Episode Eight. You know, uh, what is it? Fa- failure is our greatest teacher, or whatever he says. So I think I think you're going to start to see because we get a very different Obi Wan in Episode Four than we're going to see. I think in this one, I think we're going to see him evolve into into the obi-wan that we see in episode that we get in episode four but i think it's going to be a dark path to get there in this in this show which i'm all in for i think it's gonna be cool all right and last thing for me i i think the what i'm most interested in is the relationship between obi-wan and uncle owen just because you know uncle owen's very dismissive in a new hope and i'd like to see how they how he becomes to be called ben why is he referred to as a wizard like where is all these things coming from 
Um, I, I really am excited for this show and cannot wait for it. So hopefully, guys, we can do this again real soon to talk about anything else going on in, uh, in pop culture, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, or whatever. I always appreciate you both joining me. And I know we all got a busy life ahead, so uh, we we're going to wrap this up. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 17 of Tangents with Friends, and I'll be back with Brian and Brent hopefully in just uh, a short time. So uh, have a good afternoon, everyone, and we'll see you next time. May the force be with you. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Tangents with Friends. You can find more episodes at jmnjrradio.com. And if you do want to hear about sports, tune into the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show live every Sunday. <laughs>